What is up, fans of the RPG Fan Podcast, known as Random Encounter? I'm Greg Dalmage, and here's a big dump of news before we get into the episode. First of all, since last episode, we've had a couple of entries in Tina Ola's continuing crowdfunding chronicles. She has chronicled the journey of Aquamarine, which is a survival adventure game that has a lot of uh, lovely-looking kind of pastel-y comic book style, and I'm looking to look at that one. The other one is a really retro-inspired, uh, vibrant classic RPG called Rose of Starcross. Both are looking pretty awesome and worth checking out, so go have a read of those two features. And the other big piece from the feature department is music of the year 2019. This big old beast is finally out. We've taken our time, but we've had a lot of stuff going on to get it out. Anyways, if you want to go listen to some wonderful tunes and see some of our feedback on some of the best albums put out from the last year and the pieces therein, please go have a read of this big, lovely feature. If you are a fan of VGM, this is the article for you. Over in the reviews department, we're kicking it off with Mercenaries Wings the False Phoenix that Audra Bowling reviewed. It's a pretty neat looking strategy RPG that overall seems like an above average game. And if you, uh, you know, like your SRPGs, as you folks probably know by now I do, then this one from uh, Riding on Japan Inc. is worth checking out. Conversely, what is probably not worth checking out is Katana Kami A Way of the Samurai Story. Bob Richardson had the unfortunate displeasure of reviewing this just... He didn't like it, let's just put it that way. Please go read his review to see that sometimes uh, we are not positive on all the games we play. Uh, thanks for coming out, Acquire, but uh, you missed it with this one. <laughs> Bumping the averages back up is Yakuza 4 Remaster, another above average entry into the series. Jonathan Logan has been going through those remasters. We talked about a bit of that on this episode, actually, so go check out his review to get more details on Yakuza 4 Remastered specifically. If you've been missing Fire Emblem Three Houses, then look no further than Audra Bowling's review of Cindered Shadows, the last bit of DLC that adds a nice big story component to the game overall. This DLC pretty much seems uh, centered for people like you and me who want more Fire Emblem Three Houses. I mean, I'm only singling out a few people here. There's some of you that probably don't want any more of it, and there's some of you who don't even care. That's all fine. Either way, if you're fans of Fire Emblem Three Houses, you're probably going to be into Cinder Shadows. Go check out her review, and also check out our video review over at the YouTube channel to uh, see what it's about with your eyeballs as well as your ears. Because seeing with your ears... whatever. Moving on. Honestly don't know where Audra finds the time for, but she also reviewed The Lost Child over the past couple weeks, which overall seems like another average entry into the traditional RPG genre, so go check out her review of that and marvel at her uh, incredible ability to play games. This next one I'm a little jealous of. Rune Factory 4 Special came out, brought over to the Switch from the 3DS, and Nathan Lee got his hands on it. I'm a big farming fan, so uh, hence my jealousy, but uh, overall it seems like a pretty solid port, and uh, if you don't want to do Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon, Rune Factory's got your back. Finally, we close things out with some reviews that are a little off the beaten path for us. We've had some RPG-adjacent uh, film and TV content drop lately. Don't know if you've been watching them, but we've reviewed them. Alana Hags had a look at the Dragon Quest Your Story film, and Peter Treisenberg watched the Nino Kuni film, and then finally Caitlin Argeros wrote up her review of Netflix's The Witcher series. So if you want to know our thoughts as big longtime RPG fans, about these series and how they adapt some of our most beloved RPG franchises to the big screen, then go give those reviews a read. And there you have it. That is the news. Now we're going on over to episode 183 of Random Encounter. 
Hey everybody, I've got another boutique podcast for you. It's episode 183 with myself, Greg Delmage, hosting things as I do. And over on the other side of the country of Canada, I have John O'Logan on the mic. Hey, I'm boutique. I like that. Well, it's just two of us. It's a small little contained episode. Uh, and uh, we've got some stuff just to chit-chat. Yeah, we can charge more because we're boutique. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a unique, intimate experience. So all five listeners, this podcast will be brought to you at the cost of $50 a seat. No, uh, it's still free. And we are still shouting into Ether as far as we know. I'm kidding. People have been really nice and giving us some nice feedback on Discord, which I like. We've got some uh, emails back in the day. We talked about that last episode. And I will happily take more. Happily take more Discord chit-chat. Speaking of which... I so rarely check our email over at uh, RPG Fan, as I've said on the episode many a times, because uh, it's mostly just spam all the time. So it's always a fun reward when I get something other than uh, spam. At any rate, uh, please do email us. I'll hit us with the email at the end. Whatever. And as far as Discord goes, are you, Jono, you're on the Discord, aren't you? But you probably don't chime in too often. I very rarely do. I th- I'm, I'm on there, but not on there. Meh, not a big deal. Yeah. I don't know. It's just not really my scene. It's uh, it's hard to keep up with. It is. It's just always moving. The thing is, like, if you're into the online chit-chat and everything, like, then you make time for it. It's a part of your social life. And, like, it used to be. I used to be more on top of uh, on top of our forums, on top of other forums I was a, members of in the, was a member of in the past. Mm-hmm. But I've just not been able to make time for it anymore. And it's not necessarily to say that, like, my social life is so busy. Uh, that I can't make time for the internet, so to speak. But it's partly just the communities I was a part of have dissipated and aren't there anymore. And also that I'm just I'm just busier in general. Like not only just having a family and such, but trying to keep up with my career and keep on top of all the needs for that. Right. And and I mean, yeah. And some of it is social life, and some of it is um, you know trying to be in producing and that aspect of my career as well, not just the acting side. So it's it's a lot on the table. And then. So much of my time on the computer is spent doing work for the site that, like, I'm once I'm not needed to work on my computer or play a game on the computer, I just kind of want to step away from it. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's just kind of goes part and parcel with being an adult, really. I mean the only the only f- uh, online forum I ever was really really involved in was a Sliders message board back in like 1997. It was my favorite show back Sliders, then. Sliders the TV show. Sliders the TV show. Amazing. It was an amazing show and was filmed in your neck of the woods. Uh, that is f- true, actually. It was both well before my time being here in BC, but uh, I do. That was one of the ones that was Canadian produced, wasn't it? Or not necessarily uh, Canadian produced, but like shot in Canada, rather. Yeah, it was, it was shot in Canada. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it as a kid. I thought it was one of the. I thought it was one of the greatest shows. Alternate realities are just my jam, anyway. So. I never got around to watching it myself. I just only have it in my memory because of. Um, the lead actor in it, who is also in my secret identity. Jerry O'Connell. Thank you. Jerry O'Connell was in it. And I did catch him uh, in some of his stuff after that as well. And I did catch a bit of secret identity. But my uncle uh, produced my secret identity in Toronto. Oh, wow. Um, or his production company was the one that produced it. So it always has had a special place in my heart. Has such a catchy theme song. <laughs> You'll never guess. My secret identity. And we could... Nope. Not going down that rabbit hole. any rate... Uh, welcome, listeners. We are here to talk about old TV shows, not video games. This is TV Encounter. TV Guide Encounter. There we go. Coining it. TV Guide Encounter. Go look up that URL, Jono. Let's knock that down. I mean, if Solosi wouldn't sue us, we could always call it Retro TV Encounter. (laughs) 
as he grinds his teeth in our general direction. I uh, am basically here to talk about the fact that all I've really been playing is uh, Wizardry. Wizardry Labyrinth of Lost Souls, where in which I have lost my soul to its labyrinthine dungeons of no fun. Uh, I talked about it with Pete last time uh, I was on the episode just one-on-one with him. And then uh, it was... I had kind of just started it at that point. And he was a bit more positive, not necessarily on it, so to speak, but on the sound of it, just because he comes from the background of playing the classic wizardry games and all that sort of jazz and uh, has a certain love for their archaic nature. I never really got into it. The closest I got was uh, Etrian Odyssey. I tried a couple of demos back on the uh, the DS, and Etrian Odyssey is super fun because you get to draw your own map as you play with the dual screen. Mm. Um, before I realized I could buy maps in the game, because there's not much that's really well explained in this game. Uh, before I realized I could buy the maps and they would fill them in for themselves, I was drawing it out in the grid paper mm-hmm. on my own. Which Oh, that is classic. Exactly. And it was kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed the experience to a point until eventually it got super tedious because the dungeons are just, they're too big. Mm. And that's, I don't know, it's uh, and that's something that I feel like, again, is better in Etrian Odyssey, is better in stuff like uh, Fantasy Star. You know, I love Fantasy Star, and it's got the same kind of setup when you go down to the dungeons where you're exploring this dungeon blindly in first person, and there's no real overworld map to kind of track you. And mm. you, you're encouraged to, yeah, make your own maps. And when they're smaller, it's fine, but these things are like massive grids of just stuff and so much empty space. Uh, and then the odd, maybe random encounter, which it's always up for grabs, whether, regardless of your level and what floor you're on you could just meet a murder party that just destroys you. And, Urgh. you know, and like I'm all my characters are around level 20 and I'm at a place. I'm like midway through some, one of the dungeon floors and like most of the stuff I can take care of pretty decently. Then there's the odd thing that just, yeah, well one shot my character for like over 300 damage. And I'm just like, what, how <laughs> like I, I've almost maxed out all my character spells with my party and like, and my gear, is is the best thing I can buy in the shop. I mean, you're definitely encouraged to delve and hopefully find stuff off of bodies. And I think mm. that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I've plateaued with the best sort of stuff I can get through the shop and the shopkeeper whose name is Iron Hand. Uh, he's on brand. And <laughs> he um, really doesn't have too much else for me. Like it's expanded a little bit. Uh, I think he's added like one or two more items, but unless I've sold him, a good item he really doesn't restock with better stuff so there's that and then none of the npcs really guide you to where you're supposed to go so to speak hmm. and so it feels like like the thing i love about it and what has attracted me to it is the satisfaction of exploring the dungeon to a point until it gets to be way too big and just like i'm like all right where's the freaking door and where's the special tile that i have to find to maybe find an npc that might tell me a thing because there's like hidden npcs in one of the in one of the quest lines I was kind of following, because I'll be honest, I started going to a walkthrough to figure it out. I have no problem with walkthroughs. Well, it's it's one thing if the game already exists. I mean, as an aside, I'll come back to that with walkthroughs. But either way, I've been going to a walkthrough and trying to figure some stuff out just because I want to get through it so I can get the review out the door of the PC version of this game now that it's been brought overseas and such. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so dated and it's way too big. And when you are trying to find like a specific tile in this massive dungeon, like it it forces you to feel compelled to explore every inch of it, which should be a fun and exciting thing for most players to do. But once you've gone through this grid, it's like, (laughs) you're just so over it. And the variety 
it, like they get more complex as you go down. Like there's some that'll be like teleporter puzzles of like figuring out which teleporter leads to what teleporter, which is always a classic. And there'll be the odd like traps and such that will keep you guessing. There's tunnels that are filled with magical darkness, so you kind of don't know where you're going. And there'll be um, turnaround traps that'll force you to turn. There'll be stuff that'll force you down hallways. So all these kind of things keep you guessing. Your players might notice something when you walk by your stuff, your party rather. And you'll be like, oh, and you'll search that area and you'll find a hidden door and it'll lead somewhere else. So that kind of stuff can be exciting, but it's so few and far between with how big these things are. Like, I feel like it just would have been better if they'd made maybe more floors and less giant expansive dungeons. So, like, the progression just felt more rewarding because once you've just been traipsing around and you've maybe gained a level or two from fighting the same monster parties over and over again, it starts to get pretty rote and boring. And then you couple that with, again, a very unclear trajectory for your character. Like, I chose uh, the gnome wizard as my character, and a gnome male. And those seem to be really the only defining things is just what your race and your gender is, as Mm. for what's going to kind of define certain aspects of, like, the quote-unquote hero quest of the story. But really, like, my whole thing was, like, I just graduated from wizard school. I need money to pay off my debt. All right. Oh, so you really, it really does make you feel the despair of, uh, I guess, life. <laughs> exactly. And my only direction was like, cool, well, I guess I'll go into the dungeon. All right. I mean, that'd be, gr- that'd be great if it was an option in real life. If I could just be like, I have student loans now to pay off. I'm going down to the dungeon. See you, honey. <laughs> oh, and that's kind of it, right? Like, <laughs> I would just go work at my surveying job instead of playing this game. Because at least I'm making money for something real and tangible. Like, if this was a real-life application of things, I was like, yeah, cool. I get this. If this money was going towards something more than, like, overly expensive gear, like, if I, like, had a house or a city to build or, like, some other management aspect with the finances as opposed to, like, maybe buy better gear when it comes up, which, again, I'm at a place where I really have nothing to spend my money on except for one ridiculously expensive outfit for my thief that I want that's, like, $580,000. Everything else is was high price, but I've gotten to a point now where I'm making money hand over fist, so I can basically afford everything else. Okay, and I really do like the idea, though, that the most expensive outfit is for the thief. Yeah, they're called black clothes. That's it. You'd think, yeah, you'd think that the thief would be like, we have to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there is no thieving available in the shop itself. I just like that. I like the idea. There's a thief like looking inside the store window at this black, <laughs> this black suit. Just wanting he, it. Oh, I want it so much. I just don't have the money. Well, I don't make enough. Of the, I don't make enough money as a thief to steal. The rest of this damn party is weighing me down. And that's the other thing. Like, it's just there's so many weird archaic systems at play with like how the gold gets. Like each character you bring onto your party. And you can swap them in and out if you decide you want to bring on multiple characters. But just, again, it's a very tedious process to level somebody back up from level one through to something else if you've changed their class or if you're bringing in a new class from a new character that you've created. But you can populate the party with characters you've made. And you have a party of six, including your hero character, which if your leader uh, like falls in combat, the game's not automatically over or anything like that. It basically takes a party wipe to make everything kind of reset back into the village. But if your party leader has fallen and you go back to town, everybody in your party just like pieces out and leaves you in the temple. So you have to go back through the process of repopulating your party with the people like they've gone off, whatever, and you just add them back in and 
so small things like that are tedious. The fact that they all keep their own gold is annoying because then, like, if you want to buy a really expensive item for the one person, you have to go into them and pool all the gold into their money purse so that way they can afford the thing and then redistribute it or whatever. If you want them to rest in the inn, they don't rest together. You have to individually rest everybody. Like, just little quality of life things like that just make the game very tedious. It sounds like, based on what you said of the uh, size of the dungeon, it almost has the scale of a modern game, but it has all of the mechanics of, well, I guess, Wizardry's, the original game. Well, and that's exactly what seems to be what they're going for with this whole wizardry renaissance of, of you know, it's as far as I understand it, this has been a hit, huge hit in Japan. That's what Pete was telling me, too. Like, it's people love these things uh, overseas, and that's why we really haven't seen them as much, I guess, lately over here. And mm. now with this renaissance, they're trying to bring it back around and re- reintegrate it into modern gaming, I guess. And this game is very dated. Like, I think this was originally released on, like, the PS3 era. Yeah, I'm looking at it on Wiki now. It was released in... Oh, it was released over uh, 10 years ago. It was in uh, December of 2009. Yeah, and it looks and it feels like it. Uh, uh. It looks... Uh, I had in my notes that it basically feels like, so far, like a student game. Like, like your end-of-term student game. Ah. Where they've just kind of borrowed assets from wherever they could find them or whatever they had access to, sound effects, everything, and just threw it in there with their basic understanding of like 3D and, um, uh, textures and such like that. And uh, basically were like, here's my game. And it's very much feeling like that with a very bare bones story, very um, art directions like all over the place. It's... It's a very weird game. Then it's like it has its moments where it's pretty fun so far, but then there's other moments where I'm just like, when will this end? Yeah, because I mean, the reason there has to be a reason to drive you down into the, I guess, the labyrinth. Um, and if it's yeah. not the, if if it's not you know getting money so you can do cool things with it, and if it's not story, and if it's not character development, then why are you going down there? Well, exactly. It's just to level up a bunch of different characters and get money for better gear to a point and then there you might come across some story stuff because you get some quests and they'll, as i talked about last time too that'll send you on stuff some of the quests are super obnoxious because they rec- are requiring random drops Oof. so it's like turn in 10 of these things and then like i, I spent like three hours trying to find 10 of these things because just the mo- one was finding the monster and then getting the monster to drop them so it's like when you defeat them ugh, that was a mess so just the worst kind of fetch quest exactly Exactly. And there's nothing worse than also because like, they'll just drop a random thing and you have to get it appraised because everything you find in the dungeon is unidentified. So you, mm. there's a, But there's one class that you can get that uh, will appraise things for free. So they were in my party for a while and now they're just kind of on the bench for whenever I go back to town. I'm just bringing them back in, get them to appraise things and then bench them again uh, just because yeah. I wanted to switch things up with my class or my party. And so that helps. Yeah, I feel like that's like that's that specific mechanic. I mean, they had it in. They, I don't. Like, did they have it in Diablo three? I know they certainly had it in the first two. There was yeah. There was a lot of identifying in those ones. Not like not everything, but there was the yeah. um, a lot of equipment you had to identify. I mean, it's a holdover from D anD D. You didn't just magically know what a magic item was and what it did. You know that felt true and rang true when you were in playing uh, Baldur's Gate and stuff like that too. But it gets to a point, obviously, where. A character has seen a thing before and their intelligence is high enough that they just know, like, that's a plus one sword. You yeah. Know, or that's just a basic sword. And if they go the step further, going like, oh, it's magical. Okay, well, I don't know what the magical nature of it is, so that we should get checked out, you know. And I get that. But when I've picked up the same pair of shoes and, oh, it's still the pair of shoes. It's still a rusty dagger. It's like, you'd think you'd know it by this point. But whatever. Mm. 
that's not a big deal, but that's basically your biggest way to find like the better equipment. But the other thing that happens is they drop chests. And there's so many times where a chest has been dropped and I've investigated. It's like, does it have a trap? It might have a trap. You unlocked it. There was no trap. And there's nothing inside the chest. It's like, what? Why? (laughs) Just wasted (laughs) a minute of my life on nothing as I probed this chest for no reason. Anyways, it's, it's just got a lot of tedium and such. And like I said, I don't really know. My goal seems to be just get to the bottom floor and maybe I'll find things out. And that can be easier said than done because you just kind of, like I said, hit like a plateau sometimes where like everything is just beating you to a pulp, but you can't buy better gear to help. So it's just like, I guess I'll maybe hopefully try and grind out a level from this. But if you go, if I go up a floor, things are too weak and it takes too long. And on this floor, there's a chance I could get party wiped. It's like, eh, it's a, it's a dicey dance. <laughs> That's yeah, that sure. sounds like a heck of a poor balance issue. It's yeah, it's, it's weird right now. I hate ninjas. Ninjas and Hokage, the the two of them are just, they can just mow down my party. And they do this thing where, like, they'll kill you, and you get to get, you get what, uh, you, like, your character's dead, and when you revive them, they're actually reduced to ash. And then, so they're still not alive, they're now they're ash, and then you have to restore them either by going to the temple or casting a spell on them. But there's a chance that the spell will fail, and if so, they're just lost forever. They're just gone. Oh, they, they guess it just blows away in the wind. You're like, oh, no, no, come back, Kate. Oh, well, there she goes. Then you're just like, it's that investment of like the past nine, 12 hours I've invested in this one character. And it's just like, I don't want to do it again. So I've definitely been starting to get a little more save scummy uh, before, because there's always a chance that it could succeed. So every time before I would do that restore spell, I'm saving. And then if it fails, it's like, nope, I am not making a new party member and starting from scratch again. Do you lose their stuff too? It seems that way, yeah. Unless you had unequipped it before doing it, they everything's gone. Which oh. at this point is some pretty decent items that I can only find in the dungeon. So it's just it's not worth the risk. So it's like I said, it's uh like the fun thing about it, like it feels very D and D. It feels exciting, like when you're figuring out puzzles and you know, when you feel the power of mowing down enemies sometimes. Because every once in a while, it's just like, cool, a party of, like, three rows of four minotaurs. Nope. (laughs) Or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It can be ridiculous all the time. It's just like, it's a single little ghost girl. Okay. (laughs) You know. And they deceptively can be dangerous, but not as bad as, like, the big multi-layered parties that swap in around their rows. And, ugh, there's a bit of tactical to it with the the, the rows and the ranges. Your people in the back row and your people in the front row and... All that sort of stuff's in there as well. But compared to D&D, like, at least I can talk to somebody to kind of say, like, hey, where do I go? But at this point, all the NPCs are just stuck in their loop of, like, I'll talk about the quest you're on or I'll talk about the mundane thing of, like, this is what the inn does. Have you heard some rumors? Not that I have any. <laughs> it's just like, what? Anyway, so I'm just kind of blindly groping around and uh, hoping I'll be able to finish it in some way, shape, or form very soon. <laughs> I can under- completely understand that. I hope you uh, get to the bottom floor pretty quick. <laughs> get to the bottom of this game, literally. Hope you stumble down those stairs, head over heels till you get to the bottom. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, It's been a ride. And like, thankfully, nothing's procedurally generated, so it's all the same kind of things. Uh, like, Once you find the exit, it's there. Like, You don't have to go back through and go through a new dungeon every single time you come back in, right? So that's good. But it's just, uh, yeah. I'm glad I got this one done early in the year. It's nowhere to go but up now. 
Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Exactly, right? So um, it's not without its redeeming qualities, but uh, yeah, my review is going to be... We'll see how, how it pans out. <laughs> it doesn't sound like an editor's choice. No, no, it does not. At any rate, uh, you've been playing um, some older stuff too, actually, because the Yakuza series got remastered and you've been ripping through a bunch of those, haven't you? Yeah, I've been playing a whole plethora of games lately. Um, I just uh, the My Yakuza 3 review is out on the site now. By the time this is released, I think my Yakuza 4 review should be out. Uh, I'm currently in progress playing Yakuza 5, which is uh, just a... It's batshit crazy huge. In like a good way? Yeah, uh, actually in a very good way, but it's massive. It's insane how much is in this game. I'll get into that in a bit. Um, But yeah, I was also playing some older stuff. I just... uh, Sometimes you sit down at your computer and you're just like, I'm just going to play some older stuff that I know is kind of shorter and is more experiential and... uh, so I got through some uh, Steam backlog and some Epic backlog. Uh, I need to put faith in that. I'm worried about spending the time where it's like, it should go somewhere else in another game, in a bigger game, where it's just like, yeah, but these things can be digested in like a day or less, you know, like a, a two-day playthrough at, you know, a couple hours a piece. Yeah, and I mean, some like I'm a, I'm a big fan of walking simulators, which, I mean, some people adore them, some people don't. I really like them. Um, and like a good walking simulator, you should be able to get through it in like a couple hours and it will tell a, if you're, if it's a good one, it will tell a beautiful story in a way that you can't get through any other medium. I still stand by two brothers is probably my favorite example of that so far. I still haven't played two brothers, but oh I've heard gosh. excellent things. Enjoy your heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice when they make you feel all the things. Well, that's the impressive nature of that game, too, is the fact that there's no actual dialogue mm. and the fact that you get that, too, right? Like, it's the the, the storytelling is done beautifully. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Yakuza, I mean, it's it's fascinating because I I had never played. I'm I'm a massive Yakuza fan and a relatively recent convert. Uh, it was about just over a year ago, I think, where we had a copy of Yakuza Kiwame. It came in. It, came, it was coming out for Windows. Um and, uh, I, you know, the, Alana asked, Hey, do you want to review this? And I had never played the Yakuza series before. And I was like, I'll do oh, yeah, it. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I played it and I really liked it. And then I played the sequ- uh, Kiwame two and I loved it. And then I played zero and lost my mind about it. Like it's <laughs> the, the series has been, the series has been growing on me progressively. What's for, the difference uh, between Kiwami and the basics? Sorry. Uh, Kawame is the remake of the PlayStation 2 original using a more modern, uh, engine and using like the modern Yakuza game, uh, So it still falls uh, in like the timeline, like it's technically Yakuza 1, but it's just like a remaster kind of thing? Yeah, all the cutscenes, it has some additional material, but all the cutscenes are faithfully, uh, uh, I guess redone as very faithfully actually. It's interesting to watch, when it was released I watched some, uh, uh, footage on youtube just like comparing the two and tracking the shots and things like that and it's it's very very similar um but the difference was the original yakuza had fixed camera angles uh, as you were exploring uh the uh city and uh okay so it makes it less modern, dynamic yeah modern ones are you know over the over the shoulder kind of games which you know you could you get to explore the full 3d version of the city um or whatever cities you're in 
so yeah, I mean, I fell in love with the first three in the series, and unfortunately, uh, 3, 4, and 5 were out on the PS3, but I didn't have a PS3. Um, and I didn't want to play 6 until I got to play them, and then the uh, remaster trilogy came out. So I've been I've been uh, getting my Yakuza fix for the last few months, and uh, it's been interesting going going back in the series history, but going forward with the story. Um, because Kiwami 2 is, it was rebuilt in the, I think it's the Dragon Engine, the most modern version of the Yakuza engine they used to make the games. And then Yakuza 3 jumped backwards to the first game that actually used the over-the-shoulder or behind-the-shoulder uh, camera view where you could fully explore the city. It got rid of fixed camera angles. But because of that, the Yakuza formula, the modern one, wasn't quite there yet. It was, they were still figuring it out. I mean, it still had a ridiculous amount of side content, but it wasn't, it just didn't play quite as smooth as uh, the, I'm going to, in quotations, the first three titles, uh, Kiwami 1, 2, and 0. Um, And it's been fascinating going through the games, going through Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4, Yakuza 5, because I get to see in very rapid succession, how the game evolved and how it became what it is today. Um, and I mean, I enjoyed Yakuza 3 and I enjoyed Yakuza 4. They were both uh, solid Yakuza games. They're still Yakuza. You know, the characters that I love, the situations, the insane melodrama crossed with just the most silly insanity I've ever seen in video games. <laughs> and you're still um, in the gang. It's so Greg, have you ever played a Yakuza game or have you ever followed anything? No, I haven't. Uh, Partly because it's just, it hasn't been something that's been super interesting to me, although I've heard great stuff about it. So that part has made me go like, okay, it could be worth checking out. But it's just, the backlog is real. There's just too much on my plate that I was like, "Uh, this seems like an investment that I don't need to go down right now. (laughs) Totally understandable. Uh, Joe just started, actually. Yes, that's right. They did. They they just kind of finally dove in. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been talking with them a bit about it, and uh, Yakuza Zero is a highlight. Um, if you are ever playing it, like I love you, my in my opinion, this there's some hot debate about it, I guess, and th- including on RPG Fan right now, the Facebook page, because like I said, Joe has started to play it, so there's a lot of people chiming in with the order that the games should be played. It's my opinion. Actually, I'm curious what you'd say because because uh, just in terms of narrative, Yakuza Zero is many people considered to be the best game in the series and i actually would agree with that um and a lot of people are saying because chronologically speaking it takes place in the 1980s it's a period piece and it comes first so you should start with yakuza zero uh as an introduction to the series and then move on to kiwame one in my opinion i played kiwame one first and then i went back to zero and that was the i think that was a better choice because zero was made as a prequel um, and because of that, I think a lot of the enjoyment of a prequel comes out of seeing the characters that you've met and know uh, where they came from and where they, what they were doing before uh, you got to know them. And I feel like if you if you play Yakuza 0, if you play the prequel first, even if chronologically it works, you're going to be lacking a bit of the... Uh, I feel like you're going... Like the context? No. It, huh. Yeah, it, it, the game works as a, as a standalone. Absolutely, it works as a standalone. I just feel like a lot of the moments become a lot deeper in Zero if you know what's going to happen to the characters in the future. And I think that's the beauty of a prequel. A good prequel, anyway. 
Well, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Star Wars notwithstanding, there's like I, I just went through this having played the Dark Crystal Tactics, right? Because I watched the film, and then Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, both the game and the Netflix series, I went to after watching the film, and their prequels. So to a point, like I, I had this talk when I was talking to Pete about it, like you know, you could conceivably watch the series slash play the game before watching the film. And you kind of see the build up to what's going on, but obviously there's a gap too in between where they're clearly gearing up for a second season. Here's hoping. I mean, it could work as it is, but you know, you know what's going to happen to them though if you do watch the film. And there's also, you know, the fact that it was made in a very different time period with very different technology. So there's that transition as well. But yeah, there it, there's a certain. I enjoyed it playing the way I did, knowing, well, I know how this is going to end. I know where they're all going to end up, so to speak. But it's very cool going to see how did all that get there? How did the world become that? And what more was there before the world became that? Yeah, the, the payoff of a prequel is to see how they got to where they started from, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's the beauty of Zero, and I think that Personally, I think that Kiwami 1 should come first, but it doesn't matter if like, if someone wants to play Zero first, go to it. It's going to make complete sense to you. You're going to get a really good introduction to all the characters, and you're going to be playing an amazing game. Well, exactly. That's it, right? Like, there's... Yeah. You're going to choose the way you want to do it, and some people, yeah, they just... I don't think there's really a right way to do it. It's just going to yeah. be what's right for you, because, you know, half of the half of the fan base wants to know. They just want to know more. They just want to know what happened before. What like what came before? What came before? And for some people, they're just content with what they have, right? And mm-hmm. so they'll just be like, "Well, I don't need to know what comes before, so because I just played it from the start." There we go. And other people are like, "Well, no, I'll play it in the order of release." But then now I do want to know what came before, so now I can go back and oh, there we go. That's all filled in, and that's interesting to me. Like like it's yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's again, it's personal preference, but th- that's in the <laughs> the past and the future, I guess you could say. It's interesting when you're dealing with remakes. Um, but now I'm finally at Yakuza 5, and I'm playing through Yakuza 5, and it is... It, it's insane. I, I've i never played a game like it in the sense that it has more stuff than any game I've ever played, I think. Um, like, Yakuza games are always are infamous in many ways for the side the side quests or the sub stories and the the various mini games and like you can go to a Sega arcade in any Yakuza game and there'll be actual Sega games from that era in there that you can nice. play like the full thing like you can play Virtual Fighter in a arcade in y- in Yakuza um, two for the price of one actually like six or seven for the price of one um, and there I mean there's lots of other things there's the basic there's some sports simulators in it there are like full fledged golf simulator. Uh, batting simulator, uh, darts, pool. Uh, there's a fairly well-done bowling minigame in it as well. And you can, you know, that's the beauty of Yakuza. It's you. Can you play Jackbox? Uh, no, not yet. Well, then it's not a real party game yet, is it? That would be actually, that would be, I mean, I, w- I actually don't know how playing Jackbox with Majima would go, but probably, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, and that's, that's the thing for the series. That's always been in it. Five takes it to a completely different level in that there are five playable characters, which is affecting my 
affecting my uh, enjoyment of the plot. It doesn't quite have the same focus that I want it to, but every single character has their own side quest with its own fully fleshed out mini game. So Kiryu, the main character of the Yakuza series in this game is a, uh, I'm going to, there's obviously going to be spoilers here because we're talking about the game, is a cab driver. He, he has left his orphanage, his beloved orphanage, uh, to protect his kids uh, because he's a former Yakuza and the, the association. So he left and he became a cab driver. And because of that, there's a full-fledged cab driving simulator where you have to drive around this city uh, and obeying all of the rules of the road, turning on your blinkers, stopping properly, and getting your uh, getting your uh, passenger to their destination within this designated amount of time. That and sounds exact- dodgy. I mean, this is coming from the company that made Crazy Taxi. That doesn't sound like Crazy Taxi at all. Well, the the other side of it is that you can always take your cab your uh, cab on the highways and uh, drag race, like Tokyo Drift style. That sounds more um, akin to Crazy Taxi, I guess, or more, I guess, like um, oh, not Initial D, but there was another series uh, that was all racers that was on the Dreamcast. I remember playing it, and it was basically a street racing game. Oh, I'm not remembering what it is. Anyways, anyway. Carry on. Um, yeah, so it's a, there's a full, it's not like a incredibly, it's not like a full-fledged racing game, but to be honest, I had more fun with it than a lot of racing games I played. Then you move on to the next character, Sajima, and, uh, Sajima has a complete hunting mini game where you go out into the wilderness looking like Elmer Fudd with a shotgun, and you can hunt bears and deer and rabbits and anything else. Yeah, so he has this full-fledged, uh, uh, hunting mini game, and then you move on to... Uh, Kiryu's adopted daughter, uh, Haruka, and she is beca- she is training to become a uh, a teen uh, a Japanese teen idol. So like you know a, a teen performer, uh, uh, and because of this, she is currently training. So the f- the combat suddenly just goes away. There's no more combat, and instead, y- it's a full fledged rhythm game where you have to learn dances and you have to engage in dance battles. Um, with that sounds you know, incredible. It's, it's, I mean, I'm of two minds of it, because on the one hand, I'm like, why can't she kick ass along with, you know, why why can't she kick someone in the face too? But on the other hand, it's really well done. And I'm not a giant fan of mini games, but I'm really enjoying her section, which is the one I'm in right now. Um, I guess it would be conducive to her career if she was trying to be an idol and also beating people up. Yeah, you're right. Probably not. Um... We'll see what happens in Yakuza Six. I don't know. I've been I've been avoiding spoilers rather successfully to the she entire series. She could fall from series. grace. True. Yeah. Yeah. I've been avoiding spoilers. Really, it's been difficult, but I've been doing it. So I still don't know what happens in Six. Um, I suspect that I'm. I don't know about Six. After I finish Five, I have two options. One, I can just download Six on the on in the PlayStation Store and play it, or I could wait for however long it would take and see if it comes out on PC and then I could probably review it for the site. Um, and it's, I know it's it's kind of like got to catch them all with Yakuza and me right now. Um, hey, if you're into it, go for it. I mean, hopefully hopefully uh, we get an opportunity to review 7 when it comes out because, you know, full-fledged RPG with, uh, with uh, uh, turn-based combat, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, I don't see why not. I'm a huge fan of this game, but it's insane to me just how many mini games and how many alternate forms of play they've shoved into this. Like it's like on the one hand, I was already overwhelmed, and then they just there's an entirely separate uh, battle system just put in the game that's fully fleshed out that works. That's a lot of fun to play. 
Um, I guess that I guess that there's a uh, a baseball mini game coming up with my, with the the next playable character, and there are five like not just that in you, most Yakuza games there are there's sometimes one city there's two cities maybe Kamurocho which is the the home city the place that everything takes place in and then there's Sonobori and there's a bunch of other ones. Um, this has five playable cities and they are all fully you know they're they're no recycling of. Uh, of uh, architecture or anything like they look very dissimilar to each other and with completely different layouts you have to learn the city based on the character you're in and then presumably after I finish the next chapter with the the final character uh, you'll be able to explore all the cities as all of the characters switching between them so that's pretty neat the scale of the game is simply jaw-dropping um, I can't believe how much stuff is in it it's um, like a um, party game the RPG that's what it sounds like Actually, you're not far off. Um, it's uh, Yakuza is often compared to GTA, the Japanese Grand Theft Auto. And yeah, I buy that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of cars in it, but aside from that, you know, it both have to do with crime. Both have to do. Yeah. Uh, both have a. Both have a. Uh, I would probably lean towards Yakuza. 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 Yakisoba. My, I really enjoy those. Uh, I would probably lean towards Yakuza now. Like if I had known, if I had someone had told me about both series and what <laughs> they're about. I would probably go for that one. As much as I enjoy like the car aspect of the other one, I don't enjoy the the wanton drive to murder uh, that you generally kind of have to get sucked into in those games. Like there's just that whole payoff for going on killing sprees, and I'm just like, meh. Yeah, and that's a, that's actually a big joke in the Yakuza series, um, which is Kiryu and Majima and like all of these Yakuza, the main characters, they've never killed anyone. That's it's like there's actually a line in five where like. Kiryu is about to beat the hell out of someone, and, he, and the, the the guy says, "I know you. You don't kill." That's what they say about you. Don't, you don't kill, and it's just like <laughs> it's just like. In a couple of fights ago, I I I beat a man repeatedly with a motorcycle, um, till he was beaten on the floor and bloody. Or How did like you beat a, him with a motorcycle. How strong are you? Well, you, it's simple. You just pick up the motorcycle and you beat them to death with the motorcycle. It's it's very yeah, it's like, very simple. I feel like that's a one shot deal. Like once it's down, you got to do some serious squats to get that back up over your head. Uh, it depends on the character you're playing. Um, anyway, my my point is that there, while there is lots of wanton violence and you know there is melodrama and everything, and and both series have a very silly side. Like there's the serious crime. There's the serious crime side, and then there's, like, the silliness that comes with Grand Theft Auto or Yakuza. But the difference is Grand Theft Auto tends to be a little bit more on the satirical side, whereas the comedy and lighter side of Yakuza is, like, it's it's almost jaw-dropping in its earnestness and, earnestness and honesty. It's just so... You just fall in love with it, especially if it you... It takes itself seriously without taking itself too seriously kind of thing. Well, that's the thing. It's like you have, oh my god, this person was murdered. I need to get there quick to stop the next murder. But first, I'll spend twenty minutes with the uh, with the UFO catchers in the Sega in the Sega arcade and try to you know get a stuffed toy. And that's kind of the it's like Legend of, of Zelda it. syndrome. Yeah, I do need to save Hyrule, but I also need to wrangle all these chickens. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about. Uh, Yakuza 7 like a dragon it's going to be it's going to be a 
classic RPG. Apparently, they're basing it very similar uh, similar to uh, Dragon Quest, like the main character. From what I've read in it, I don't think this is a spoiler. The re- they actually have an in-game universe reason why it's an RPG, a, cl- a turn-based RPG. It's the main character uh, was a yakuza, and he gets sent to jail for eighteen years for a crime he doesn't commit, and then he he gets out of jail. And he decides that he he has failed as Yakuza, so he's gonna he's a huge fan of the Dragon Quest series, so he's gonna become a hero instead. So all of a sudden, awesome. every <laughs> everything everything around him, because he's such a huge fan of Dragon Quest, he, it's through his eyes, so to speak. So it, he he you know it, it, bats become swords, and you have it has a it's gonna have a fully fledged out job system, just like the just like uh, Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. So I'm super excited awesome. to play it. Yeah, it's, it looks amazing. Um, and apparently it's going to rival the size and scope of Yakuza 5 in terms of, like, playable cities and side quests and sub-stories and all that. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I would be inter- I, I'm curious about, we, we, brought, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and you were mentioned that you use a walkthrough with Wizardry. And, I mean, I use one with Yakuza too because I'm usually, um, I'm, I'm reviewing them. Um, and I feel like, as a reviewer, I'm of two minds of walkthroughs. One, walkthroughs can reduce your enjoyment of a game quite a bit if you use it slavishly. Yes. Um, but as a reviewer, I kind of feel that walkthroughs are a walkthroughs and like and FAQs and things are useful tools, so we get to see uh, the full scope of what the game has to offer. Yeah, and like I'm of two minds about it too. But I there's like. I guess it's a it's a within reason sort of state as well. Like for me, up until I became a reviewer for the for RPG fan, like my standpoint on walkthroughs was I would not use them until I at least beat the game once on my own, mm. and then I would go back through and plummet for like any secrets I happened to miss because I did want to try and feel out more of it. And if it's just something I missed and I knew I wouldn't have the time to really fully dive into every nook and cranny, especially as I got older. It's just nice to go back and follow it just to see all those little things that were put in there for you, right? But it's I do find there's a certain magic in figuring it out for yourself. And that's where I come to with reviewing it because you're you could if you use it like you said slavishly too much and abuse it, you cheapen the experience for yourself and that cheapens your review because you know, how can you review how thorough the gameplay is and how thorough the story is and how well they teach you all these things? If you're just having someone tell you how to do it. Whereas if you're figuring it out for yourself intuitively, you can review on that, right? Mm. So I feel like... And the other thing, too, is if you're reviewing a brand new game that doesn't have a walkthrough. Like, I was so lost when playing something like Left Alive, for example, because it was new. They don't give you a walkthrough when you have to do a review of a new title. Whereas reviewing something like Wizardry or Yakuza that's been out before we can go to a walkthrough, right? Or if we get something past embargo. But if you're on, if we get it before embargo, like with uh, Dark Crystal Tactics, I didn't know when it was going to be done. I didn't know how long I was going to be playing it for. I just had to get through it intuitively. So there's that aspect as well. So I feel like if you get through like a good portion of it and then it comes to a point where you're like, okay, I know how to play this game. Now I just need to get through the story so I can report on the story. Mm. I think taking a walkthrough from that point on just to basically fast forward yourself to the end of the game just so you can say, okay, we completed it. We know how the whole thing wraps up and how it all feeds into that final boss encounter. And yep, it's worth your while. Or no, it's not, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's one of the reasons why RPG fan uh, finishes the game. It's because the, the combat in the first half might be great but then by the end of the game it becomes unbalanced or too easy or it doesn't work properly or you get stuck and that's the kind of thing that 
you know, impacts our scores as in comparison to someone who will get a feel for the game, but, you know, is, is moving on to the last thing. That's why we have this policy. Exactly. And it's to the benefit of the reader for certain. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not for our benefit for some games, <clears throat> wizardry. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and it's just, it just helps us as a tool if we have it at our, um, in our toolkit, right? If it's something we can access, but like I said, it can be, it's yeah, not it's there when there's embargo. <laughs> yeah, it's a tool. And I mean, I mean, that's not, how much fun would like a classic adventure game be if you're just reading a walkthrough and you're like, all right, I have to put the, the, well, rubber chicken with the pulley in the middle to, cl- to get across to the other side of this cliff. Like that's a, the discuss- I remember playing Monkey Island when I was a kid and I, you know, I didn't have the, I, did I even have the internet back then? Um, and discovering like, oh, the rubber ch- ch- rubber chicken with the pulley in the middle, what possible use could this have? And when I discovered it, it was, I felt like a genius. And if you're using a walkthrough, you're going to miss that. And that's exactly it, right? Like that's why you may as well just watch a Let's Play at that point because you're basically letting someone else tell you what to do or how to play it and seeing the result. Whereas instead of discovering it for yourself, like how many of us have felt satisfied just, yeah, by solving that Legend of Zelda puzzle that getting the right things together for a case in um, Phoenix Wright or any number of things, right? Like I was stuck so many times in the Oracle games of... um, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, there's a couple dungeons where I was like, ah, why can't I get this? But then once I got it, I was like, I am the smartest person in the world. Yeah. And exactly, you would have lost that otherwise. So, you know, use them as you will. I mean, I'm not going to tell someone they're wrong for using it, but just I have my own standpoints on how I use them for myself. And again, as long as you're not cheapening your review experience either and tainting it basically for readers, like people can use them as they need to. Yeah, like, I mean, for Yakuza, especially, like, 5, for example, for me, there is so much to experience in this game that it is truly mind-boggling to me that I'm not using it to, I'm not using it to, like, uh, figure out how to do things or figure out where to go, but, like, for, just for, just for example, like, uh, just figuring out what the variety of, uh, mini games that are available in this where they are like so i can okay oh bowling okay so the bowling mini game is there and i try that out and i say oh this is great um it's i find them to be useful tools if they're available if not it doesn't matter like you're still experiencing the game and then after you're finished like you said you can go back i just like to try to get as much as much of the scope of the game as i possibly can in uh at once Especially with a game like Yakuza, where there is so much. I mean, if you're just playing Yakuza straight through for the story, you're not really playing Yakuza. um, Because you're going to miss... Well, you're going to miss the fun. You're going to miss the game. Um, Anyway, I'm... That was a big tangent. It's just just an interesting topic to me. But I'm... I'm really enjoying uh, the collection. I mean, I've given... I gave three a pretty good review i gave four a pretty good review four was better than three five is getting a much better review at least at the at the moment who knows it might all fall apart in the last two sections but uh it's going to get a much uh higher score than the first two but in terms of uh value for your money this is a this is a, a deep value for your money it's it's three very long games with unbelievable amounts of side content uh for the price of one um so yeah, I think this is very much worth anyone's money if they are a Yakuza fan. And uh, and do you find that they are improving because it's just time in there improving mechanically, or 
is it the stories are getting better or is it just like a consistent story and then just adding enough new stuff to keep it fresh and uh, no. update it? No, no, no. The stories are not getting better. Uh, that's the only thing. And I'm gonna, I, I mentioned that um, the stories in the first couple of games felt very fresh because, uh, you know, they're new. But it's like every single Yakuza game. It's the same plot. It's the Tojo clan is in crisis. Something needs to be done. Uh, Kiryu is the only one who can save them. He he gets pulled back into the Yakuza world from his you know his uh, happiness as uh, the owner of the or as the person who runs this orphanage. Or I guess he's not really happy. He's a cab driver, but he's still like a civilian, and he just keeps getting pulled into this Yakuza world. Um, and the plots are getting considerably more scattershot because in four and then more even more so in five they they are introducing all of these playable characters so you'll play as a character for chapter one and you'll play as another character for chapter two and you'll play another character for chapter three and each character is experiencing part of the story and then it's not until the finale that all of these parts start to come together um and that's a obviously a very legitimate way to tell a story the problem is that especially with five the chap there's so much content and the chapters are so long that by the time the story starts coming together, you it's been so long since the first chapter, like story threads, you, you've lost track of them. Whereas with 0, 1, 2, and 3, it told a fairly straightforward story beginning to end. Um, and there were lots of plot threads and lots of, uh, and lots of twists and lots of, uh, and lots of unexpected happenings. But yeah, 4 and 5 have been getting considerably more scattershot with their storytelling. I understand with 6, we're going back to a single playable character. So it'll be interesting. to, And I mean, Judgment as well, which I still haven't played either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if the storyline becomes a little bit more coherent. That's not saying that the storylines are bad. They're still engaging. It's melodrama. I mean, that's Yakuza. It is pure melodrama. Um, if you're If you're going in expecting... Uh, anything but that, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, and I mean, for all I know, Yakuza 5's story might really come together in the end. I, like I said, I'm only in the third chapter right now. But I have a feeling it's not. Uh, just a feeling. <laughs> it's just oh, a feeling. Well. Yeah. Um, that's not saying I'm not enjoying it, because I love the characters. And I've, I mean, I've played the game for so long, the series for so long, that I know the characters very, very well. So what they're going through, I'm super invested in it. Um, and it's always great, like, uh, Sonobori, I think is the, yeah, I, my pronunciation is probably atrocious, um, because my Japanese pronunciation is always atrocious, but, like, it's, Kamarucho is the, is the main city of the game, and that is in, literally, it's in every single, uh, it's in every single one of them, and it's really cool, because it, the series takes place between the 80s to today, so you actually get to see the city evolve and grow, and buildings are torn down, and buildings are put up. And I wonder you really, how accurate that is. It's really neat. It's actually really quite accurate. It's based on, uh, I have no idea what the name of the actual red light district in Tokyo is, but it's it's based on it almost exactly to the point where, just for fun, I went on Google Maps, and I could I could, I, I, I knew my way around. Like oh, that's I could, interesting. That's cool. It's kind of like um, Akiba Strip as well. Yeah, there was a uh, story in the in the news a couple of weeks ago about a guy from France, I think, and uh, he was on a Japanese game show. He got stopped in the airport, and they were like, "Why are you visiting Japan?" And he's like, "I'm a huge fan of Yakuza, and I'm here to see some of the sights." So they like followed him around <laughs> um, awesome. to to the sights, and there's a lot of like recreations and things like that, very similar to GTA in the sense of Liberty City. Um, 
being New York City, but not quite. But enough that if you know it really well, you might be able to figure out generally your way around. But like in this game, Sonobori is probably the second most prolific city because it's been in three games. So it's always nice to like going to the city. It's kind of like, oh, I, I haven't been here in a while. It's nice to come back. It's like visiting. It's like when I come to Vancouver, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this city. I've been here for a while. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Yakuza series. Um, I'm very excited to finish five. I'm super excited to continue with the series in the future. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, working for RPG fan. I've, there's a lot of things I'm very, uh, I, I appreciate and I'm very happy that I joined the team. And one of the biggest reasons is because I got to discover Yakuza and it's, it's really been a, an enriching experience for me to go through this incredible series of games. Well, I mean, you've, yeah, I've heard enough that I, again, should likely convince me and this definitely helps that if I ever have the time, it seems like a series definitely worth investing in for me and for anyone listening. The It's got your seal of approval for being a good combo of fun and decent story. Like, it's... That's, that's a good game. Yep. And I mean, it's always... there's It's in Japanese. There's... It's subtitles. The original... Actually, this is funny. The very original version of Yakuza, Yakuza for PS2, um, had an English dub on it. Um... And it was astoundingly, unintentionally hilarious, but not in a way that stays funny. Um, I've seen some clips on YouTube. Uh, Mark Hamill played Majima, which is insane um, in retrospect. <laughs> I mean, it's good great. casting because Majima is sort of like a better natured version of the Joker. I mean, he's a sociopathic criminal. Um, I guess Majima has a heart of gold, though, and the Joker obviously doesn't. But the later games got rid of the English dub completely, and it's entirely in Japanese with uh, English subtitles below it, and it it lends a uh, a feel of authenticity to the series and to the into what's happening that you're watching it in you're listening to it in the language, and it's really funny because I'll be watching the I'll be watching the cutscenes and you know there'll be subtitles on it, I'll be really engaged with it, and I'll like get up to like go pour myself a cup of tea or get a glass of water. And then I'll be walking away from the screen and then my brain will go, wait a minute, you don't know Japanese. Go back there. You have to keep reading. <laughs> I've gotten into that just watching yeah, anime that's been uh, subbed instead of dubbed and when I'm trying to like do something else or have it on as like a, a mindless. Because a lot of them, they're like, I'm not super invested in the story. There's only a handful where like I need to sit and watch Cowboy Bebop's one of them. Uh, and even then, like, I take or leave it with, like, kill the kill, but it's dubbed, not, or sorry, it's sub, not dubbed, so it's like, no, I have to sit and watch, and I have to be paying attention. I can't just, like, drift off, fall asleep, or do something else, because then I'm going to miss crucial parts of a very engaging story. Yeah. I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but no, I'm a, obviously a fan. If you ever, if you ever want to start playing, and you want, if you ever play, uh, Kiwame 1 or 0, I would be delighted to come on the podcast and talk to you about it. That sounds like a delightful invitation. I mean, yeah. pretty soon that's going to be one of those is going to make it to Retro Encounter as well. They're getting dated at this point. Anything two years older. Like, I'm surprised, but they haven't played any yet. Uh, or I'm misremembering if they have. Uh, they had a Yakuza episode uh, t- three years ago, I think. There you go. I need you to correct me on it. And if it wasn't you, it would have been Mike. I think it was three years ago. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I would love if I would love if Solosi had another one. Um, I might ha- might have to talk to him about it. I mean, it, make a card, as he says. Yeah, I would. I you know, I'd wait until like in honor of Seven getting released in uh, in the West or something like that for a a reason to have one. Um, but yeah, that's been that's been great. I mean, the Yakuza games are gigantic, and I guess I before I started five, I wanted to get some smaller games in. So yeah, I, I played a bunch of uh, like day two day experience games, and that was. That was really, really good. That's good. Sounds like you've had a a nice, busy uh, February of gaming and making it through the backlog. Yeah, the backlog is... Well, you know, you attack the backlog and then you're like, ah, good, I finished like four games. Then you look at the backlog and you're like, didn't even make a dent. Yeah, because then there's another Steam sale or another PSN sale or another discount on the nintendo switch something happened and you're like well all right <laughs> i should buy yeah. this now because it might not be as great a deal later it probably will be but whatever mm-hmm. it's the only reason i slept on darkest dungeon for so long is because it's just like i know it'll go on sale again because it keeps going on sale and i know i want it but i don't have time for it yeah that's another game that's on my uh i haven't played I, I don't have it in my library but it's a game that's like i right. really would like to play that yeah and you do that with like, yeah, Hollow Knight, Time Spinner, all that sort of stuff that I know is you can get through it quicker. It's just, you gotta make, allow myself the time to do it. Uh, time Spinner is, I like, I mean, that's one of the games I played the last couple of uh, weeks. And I, I, I like, I loved it. I thought Alana, Alana reviewed it a few months, years ago. It was summer, I want to say. Yeah. I mean, she gave it a, she gave it an excellent review. I played the game. I was unsurprised that I very much liked it. It was built on the classic uh, symphony of the night mechanics and had a great storyline uh time travel was involved so i mean i love time travel as a plot device uh really got to recommend it it took about two days hollow knight is a game that because of the difficulty curve i feel like it will take you at least a week or two. Oh, geez that was already two years ago that was 2018 in november yeah uh it's it's been in my backlog for a while i'm really glad i played it though like i i went through the games i played were metroidvanias and walking simulators like i also played guacamelee 2 which doesn't really fit in our coverage because it's a pure metroidvania and a bit of a brawler so it doesn't have any mechanic (laughs) it was yeah it was a super fun game i guacamelee 1 was i had a good time with it when i played it a couple of years ago the second one just built off that a little bit more yeah Um, i heard good things about it and the style of it was cool yeah they're fun um it's not the best metroidvania i've ever played but it was certainly a nice way to kill a day or two of just enjoying myself a bit of a some of the difficulty curve and it was a little weird, but yeah, it was okay. Um, what else? Oh, walking simulators. What remains of Edith Finch? Uh, I played, uh, and I loved it. Yeah. Which is an adventure game. I'm surprised we have yet to cover. Yeah. I might mention that to somebody because I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a lovely experience and actually in no way similar to Yakuza, but somewhat similar in the sense that, it is a game that is almost a collection of mini games. Um, do you know anything about it? I do not actually, except for the fact that it's an adventure game. Uh, so yeah, first person, um, and you are the last su- surviving member of the Finch family. Uh, your mother has recently died, and you are left this house that you grew up in, and it is in the woods. It's a uh, it's this gigantic old house with many many extensions built on years later, and the idea is that whenever somebody in the house dies, one of the children or their their room gets sealed up. Um, and there's always a little, uh, there's always like a, 
what are they, looking glasses? What are they called? The things in the doors that you can look through so you can see the person on the other side. Key, keyholes? Oh, um, yeah, like the spy holes or whatever that you have in your... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the, the actual name of those are, but the peepholes. Yeah. Peepholes, I think is what it is. Peepholes, yeah. So there's one in every single doorway in this house, so you can like peep... You can look through the peephole into these rooms that have been sealed shut for decades. Um, but then you start to... Uh, you f- There's all these secret passages in the house, and you start getting into these rooms. And when you get into these rooms you get to start experiencing uh, the last moments in these characters' lives. And these are like members of your family, so you do have an emotional connection to them. So you start learning what happened to your like aunts and uncles and your parents and it's uh, your grandparents. And uh, it, it's very, all of it's tragic. It's a super tragic family, but every single flashback is in, this, is in a different game style. Um... Like a gameplay style, that's really neat. Yeah, uh, I was watching a I was watching a video on YouTube that apparently uh, what was the name of the video? Um, they were talking to one of the developers of it, and uh, I think it was like how to make how to make a game out of eleven prototypes or something like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so they like created eleven different prototypes of games, and then none of them are really quite working as full fledged games. So they used them uh, to build this. And it was a, personally, I thought it was quite a beautiful story. Um, I was really touched by a lot of the things that were going into it. It was an exploration of tragedy and death and depression and uh, and uh, mourning and acceptance. Um, and I thought it was just a, a lovely, lovely game. And I mean, I there's something about getting to explore a house. Like Gone Home is another, is another example of just going into a house that you've never been in before and get to explore it and and look around um there's a certain fascination i feel that humans have like where you you just want to know how the other person lives and it's not that you want to invade their privacy so to speak and like steal their things and rifle through their stuff but it's just a curiosity of just like how do they do it how does this person's personality come together in a house and yeah you get to see it through through a few of your friends and such like that but there's uh, yeah, I, I find myself like walking down my street. I'm like, I wonder what the inside of that house, house looks like. Because it looks so nice. I, I'd be just would just like to see its layout. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the reasons that maybe I don't think this is just me. But like back when I was dating, when I would like my first time over at that person's home, uh, the first thing I would be super interested in would be their bookshelf. And it's just like... It says a lot he, about a person. It's true. Yeah, it's just human curiosity. You're like, oh, what's this? Okay, what's this person? What does this person like? Um how do they live? That kind of thing. So yeah, I'm a big fan of walking simulators and Edith Finch is one of the best examples that I've played recently. Yeah. Um, and then after I finished it, I was like jonesing for more. So I played the vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is the same, the same basic structure of uh title, but a which very different cover, game, yeah. a very different game, but still a walking simulator. And you are a, a, you are a paranormal detective and you have come upon this, uh, this almost abandoned mining town to try to find out what happened to Ethan Carter, who was, who sent you a letter asking for help. Um, and you find bodies throughout the, um, you find bodies throughout this town and you get to relive like the last couple of minutes of their life. And like, you have to figure out the order that things went and like how, how it went down and that kind of thing. It's not a very, uh, it's like pseudo whodunit. A little bit pseudo whodunit. It's not super gameplay mechanic heavy. 
Um, it's not like big, challenging puzzles. At no point was I ever stumped, but it was a fun. It was a fun uh, experience. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It was not even remotely as engaging as as engaging as Edith Finch. I don't think, but it was. I, I enjoyed it. So again, like if you're ever looking for a real quick game, you're going to be able to you know blow through in a couple hours. They're good games. Uh, they tell beautiful stories. Um, and like I said, I think that's one of the reasons why I really there are certain, walking simulators. Some people love them, some people don't, but I think that they are a vehicle for telling stories that can only be told in video games. And yeah, it's a certain hands-on mechanic, which is part of the benefit of it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was my couple of weeks in gaming. I've been it's been a, it's been a busy couple of weeks just playing things. Yakuza that good. Yeah, Yakuza just takes up all of your friggin' time. It just does. They're gigantic, but worth it in my opinion. And again, that's uh see previous answer as to why i haven't gotten into them yet <laughs> yeah exactly they're a bit of an investment i was talking to joe about it i was talking to joe about it and they said that they are you know gonna play zero as the next game and i'm like mm, i know what that's like oh you are in for a for a bit of a, a time playing through this series see you in a couple months yeah pretty much but i mean joe works through games like crazy so i mean i feel like that comes with age and uh, possibly singleness i'm not sure it's hard when you've got a lot of commitments there's i was just reflecting on this with a colleague lately that there's there's moments like like don't get me wrong i would not trade the life i have right now in any way shape or form but there are moments where i pine for like those bachelor days where i'm like i can just sit here and play eight hours of video games for the next three days because there's nobody else who needs me there's no one else who is requiring my time except i go to my job I maybe go to the gym. I have to like run errands to get food. But beyond that, like no one's going to complain if I just stay shuttered in my room. And sometimes like, I just, I want that. And I more or less do have that to my benefit. Like when Gwen's at school during the day and, and that's at work because we work off hours. So like I can get away with that to a point, but it's nice to be like, can I just have no responsibilities again? Just for like a brief window. <laughs> I, I can't argue with you. It's the, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I, I do miss the days when I could just be playing a game and look up and be like, oh, it's 3.30 in the morning. You just, it's, yeah, you pine for that selfishness, but like, I'm always aware of my partner's needs and that I could be doing things to help us as a family. And it's, again, it's not a bad thing. It's not something I would ever not want to have in my life. Uh, like, I, like I would never want to be single again. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I'm happily married and don't want that to change. And I would rather, I would take this over that any day. But every once in a while, I'm like, I could just use, like, two days of this. Just two days of not having to care about anyone but myself. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's I, human nature. You want to be selfish every once in a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's necessary. I think being selfish every once in a while is is necessary for good mental health. And I do completely it's agree with self-care. you. Yeah, I do completely agree with you, too, about, like, I don't want to be single again. Because although I might look back at that time and think, like, oh, I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. I know for a fact if I was single for more than, like, two days, it'd be like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, because I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, that's the fun of being single. Um, <laughs> and I mean, uh, to quote uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, uh, we do the weird stuff. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> i kid but you know what i mean you silly folks out there anyway um before we wrap up the episode uh after all that diatribe of um touting singleness and not at the same time 
I'm not going to go too much into it, but I did watch a couple of the uh, video game adaptations that came out on Netflix recently. So Nino Kuni and Dragon Quest Your Story. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into either, or I'm not going to go into really at all, but I will say to you, based on what you were just telling me about um, Like a Dragon, I now think you owe it to yourself to watch Dragon Quest Your Story. Okay. Just because I think you'll get it once you watch it, What? why I feel like you'll you'll understand and then we'll talk after. Uh, and all that being said, like it's a beautiful film. Like it's the animation's insane. Yeah, uh, it looks gorgeous. So it's a marvel in that regard. It's just it does a really weird kind of Cole's Nose version of the story and condenses it down and then does its own thing. Yeah, like we were. Ta- I was talking to you in the pre-show about it, and I, I think I said I've I've never played the remake. I only played the um, of Dragon Quest Five on um, on DS. I've only ever played. Same. I've only ever played the SNES version. Yeah. Um, all the way to the end, so I mean, I know the story, but it's been a long time, so yeah, I might actually watch it, because it'd be, it was a good story, if I recall. It was, and I love that concept of the whole passing the torch to your your next generation kind of thing, That like that's really neat, and then of course there's the ever-going debate of who do you marry, and all that sort of stuff, and then the DS added a third option, if I'm not mistaken. So all that sort of stuff's kind of encompassed in the film. But uh, anyways, now just specifically because of what you were telling me about Like a Dragon now, it makes Mm. me want you to watch it even more. And then I feel like you'll message me immediately in Slack and be like, oh, I get it. (laughs) You know what? I think I might. Well, that that pushed me into watching it Um, after (laughs) after I finish five. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, because, you know, we got work to do first for the site, right? Of course. (laughs) Always. Exactly. Uh, well, that about wraps up this boutique little episode. Uh, just the two of us talking. You don't need to hear us talk for more than an hour. Who wants that? <laughs> but we are here all the same. If you uh, want to reach us at podcast at rpgfan.com, please fill my inbox with something more than spam. I mean, I know who uses email these days when you can reach us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on our Discord where you can find me. I'm G Delmi. Jono's on there sometimes. Jono, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John O. Logan. Yeah, and I'm at Greg Delmage on Twitter, at RPGFancom on all those things. So, you know, find us somewhere, give us some questions. I'll try and do another push to uh, get folks asking us stuff, because I like to have discourse uh, encouraged by our listeners. As long as it's not like, who got biggest boobs? Uh, we will not entertain that. Uh, it's Red 13, because it's got the most, so it's... Anyways, I uh, think you should all uh, go check out Retro Encounter because they play some fun stuff like old games like Yakuza, as we mentioned today. And they got a lot of other stuff going in the pipeline and have people have been playing hard on that. Uh, uh, I still have to debate whether I'll be getting on a future episode that uh, surprisingly something I threw up for vote one. And I'm like, oh, it won. I didn't think it was going to happen. And now I kind of really want to play it. But at the same time, I don't have time. What is but it? I would really like to. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because I, I know there's a certain, only certain distance of episodes that we mention. So I don't want to give it away right now because that's on Mike's terms when he wants to tell that. All right. You can tell me after we're done recording. Exactly. Yeah. I that, hear that? We have access. <laughs> <laughs> In your faces. We work for the site. I mean, we, by the time this episode goes up, it might be out for all I know. Yeah, I we have all the spoilers. We, it's a walkthrough. <laughs> right. <laughs> And otherwise, uh, Hat and Eric do uh, the Phoenix Edge podcast. Uh, they were actually also just talking about the Dragon Quest film and uh, the Final Fantasy VII Reborn stuff, which is looking so good. Oh, my gosh. Watching that opening sequence, like I love the stuff they've added to kind of flesh out the world and tied into the the greater scheme that kind of Advent Children built on with the world. 
in a certain way. It's going to be an interesting few months as even more comes out yeah. over the next what, seven weeks, I think. Well, I don't, I don't even want any more now at this point. The only thing I want to know is, okay, is that trailer, which I've seen a few reactions uh, from people. Uh, not the um, the opening sequence, but the trailer before where they kind of revealed Scarlet and a bunch of other stuff going on in there. But there was that guy, that guy that's like, hey, it's been a long time for a rematch or whatever. That guy. Who is that guy? Why did they need to add a new guy? Who is, why? Why did we need to add a new character? Like everything's, everything was is pretty solid as it is. I mean, I guess they're trying to tie it more into the greater Final Fantasy VII storylines and stuff so this guy's probably gonna feed into deep eyes or something dumb i don't know it's gonna be interesting but, to see how they build out the storyline to fill the time yeah. I, I suspect there heck there might even be more avalanche miss- missions yeah and perhaps like the given how great a scope midgar is supposed to take up now yeah you might spend a lot more time there instead of just trying to get out of it and get into the world at large who knows either way i kind of don't want to know more i want to be surprised at this point but at the same time it's our civic duty to to know all the news you know anyways folks uh hit us with any comments questions spare potions all that fun stuff you saw it when you clicked on this thing you know where to find us but for myself and Jono, thanks again for being on my pleasure have yourselves a good one bye now bye i'm waving why am i waving <laughs> it's, it's it's a radio show i appreciate it <laughs>